Hello listeners, it's Lewis. Just wanted to pop in before we start. Now, you may have seen that last week we were featured in The Guardian in a list of readers' favourite podcasts of 2021. And thanks to that shout-out from our lovely listener Corinne, we had our most successful week for Muppetsational ever. We had more downloads in a few days than our first three weeks of the podcast combined and hit the top three for TV review podcasts not only here in the UK, but also in Belgium and New Zealand. We even had downloads from as far and wide as South Korea and Malaysia. So, as we do record this podcast a little far in advance, we just wanted to take a moment to thank first Corinne and The Guardian for giving us a mention but also thank all you listeners, old and new, for helping our little Muppet podcast grow. We do this show because we love it, and it means so much that you are enjoying it. Please keep spreading the word about us on social media or leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, and with your help, we can make this little caper a great Muppet caper. Did that work? I don't know. And now back to this week's app. Hello and welcome to Muppetsational, the Muppet Show podcast hosted by three huge Muppet fans. Join us each week as we dive into an episode of Jim Henson's classic variety show, now finally available on Disney+. This week it's season one, episode 17, starring the versatile Ben Vereen. It's time to get things started on the chronological, explorational, conversational, Muppetsational! Yay! Yay! Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Muppetsational. I am Lewis Chandler. I am Jade Turner. And I'm Emma Chandler. And we are here this week as we are every week to discuss another episode of The Muppet Show and... I am here, as I am every week, ever so slightly hungover. <laughs> so if I still, if I talk more and re- register down here, just enjoy that vibration in your ears, listeners, because it's that's all I've, I've I've spent my energy too quickly in the introduction, and this is where we shall remain. Come on, Lewis! Come on, rally! rally. I'm rallying! I'm rallying! Pep, pep we need pep. <laughs> Ben Vereen's got enough pep for all of us. Well, exactly. That's some of that shimmy off on you, you know. <laughs> Give me one of these. <laughs> Ka-chow! <laughs> Pow! Jazz! <laughs> no, that did it. That's that's the last bit gone. I'm sorry. Good night, listener. <laughs> right. Shall I kick us off then and try and inject a little bit of uh, zazz into the episode? Zazz! Give us some zazz! Oh, I got some more. There we are. <laughs> He's found it. It's all good. Okay, so this episode was originally broadcast on the 21st of November 1976. The production code lists it as the 17th episode made, and therefore Disney Plus have included it as episode 17. It was written by Jack Burns, Mark London, Jim Henson and Jerry Jewell, and directed by Peter Harris. And I've been doing a little bit of research about Ben Vereen, but Emma, I'm curious to see what you found out about him, because he's he's had quite a career. Yeah, I, I know, Jade, yeah. Ben Vereen is an actor, dancer, singer. He's been on Broadway, West End, small screen, the big screen. Um, He was in the original Broadway productions of Jesus Christ Superstar. He was in Pippin. He was in Wicked in 2005. He was like friends with the whole like 
Broadway posse, Liza, Bob Fosse. Um, <laughs> the Fosse posse. Recent- the Fosse know, posse. Right? He's like part of that whole kind of scene. And recently he performed at Liza's 75th birthday. Go, Ben no Green. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> he also won a Tony for Pippin as well. I feel like that needs to be. Needs to be flagged. Another Tony Award winner on The Muppet Show. Kudos. Yeah. Um, I do also just want to mention that when I was researching him, I noticed that he um, had some pretty nasty sexual abuse allegations against him from quite recently. And although I don't want that to derail our recording of the episode, I just want to recognise that we acknowledge that and that obviously we always believe believe women believe women um, believe victims yeah yeah and yeah. Um, and i really hope that that's something that he has genuinely dealt with wait was is ben vereen straight yes he is which i was quite surprised about too lewis yes i know he's got five children and he's been married twice oh okay yeah. well that... i know i was i was pretty shocked too when i read that yeah well well sorry <laughs> i'm glad he's not on our team then at least <laughs> But yeah, uh, just uh, <laughs> yeah, an acknowledgement. Just an acknowledgement. We have acknowledged it, and mm. now we shall put that in a box, <laughs> and we will move <laughs> into this other lighter <laughs> Muppety box. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, this was an interesting episode. I'm very intrigued to hear what you two think about it. Why is Fozzie calling Gonzo stupid in his opening joke? <laughs> I think that's Gonzo's character at the moment, isn't it? Is that he's meant to be a bit of an idiot. But I I know it's weird. It's, I also find it really weird because because he was in that opening joke. I was like, oh, hopefully we're going to see some Gonzo this episode. And then we did get a tiny glimpse of him with him and Scooter discussing that his act was going down well. But we still didn't see the act. So I was like doubly confused yeah i was i was so confused by that i was like have we missed something <laughs> and it been cut out but i no, don't actually wasn't. think it there was, just, was anything it was just part of the runner it was oh just want to see some gonzo it was the most we've seen of him in weeks and it was barely enough and it's <laughs> and it was just further proof that obviously the writers just do not know who he is yet it's like oh he's no. a he's yeah. an artist he's a he's an idiot he's we don't know we just have him hit that yeah. thing every week and then we just put him down and let... but also this week he didn't even he didn't even get to hit it he got hit by that frackle instead like, damn frackle Gonzo was <laughs> Gonzo was truly not having a great week this week poor Gonzo tell you who also wasn't having a good week this week was uh, Waldorf and Statler <laughs> what keep getting blown up and attacked and <laughs> they got blown up they had a Muppet attack them <laughs> it was just it, it was a, I just sort of noticed it was a very sort of uh, intense week for them <laughs> Let's hope they'd taken all of their correct pills and everything so that they were, like, just, like, able to survive the onslaught. Just one of them had a heart attack up in that box. Just just grip all of his chest. Oh, dear. Well, let's launch into this episode, which I I have to say, I did enjoy it. And one of the things I also realised was that I felt like it went really quickly which I think is another sign to me that I did I did definitely enjoy the episode because it got to the final number and I'm not I'm not skipping ahead here but it got to the final number and I I was like oh this must be right near the end of the show and actually like I feel like this one's gone really really fast for me the whole way through it was 
it was pretty strong. I mean, there were moments and I'm, you know, we will talk about them. Mm. But I really enjoyed this opening number with Rolf playing Jump Shout Boogie, which I do not know this song. I assumed it was a song from the 50s, but it was actually released in 1976. It's a Barry Manilow song. Oh. And it was an album track as well. So I'm guessing somebody... I don't know whether it was Ben Vereen or whether it was someone on the Muppets was a big Barry Manilow fan. <laughs> How bizarre. And is I that know. what it sounds like in its original version? Is it like a 50s sock hop? Like I assume it must have been like that. Because, I mean, it's got that lyric in it at the start, hasn't it? That's like not that long ago in 1944. So I guess it was written in like a 50s style. Oh, yeah. Now that you said that, Jade, I was just thinking of something quite interesting. Because I think in the 70s period, they were very much like in a kind of rose-tinted glasses nostalgia view of the 50s. Yeah, they were. And I they? wonder if that's the whole vibe that Barry was going for <laughs> with this particular song. Barry was like, there's my cash cow right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have this great album track that sounds like it was a, a 1950s bop. A bop. <laughs> I thought this was quite odd. Now, I am all for representation and broadening you know the types of people that we get to see on television but why in god's name was that two-headed why was it a two-headed muppet who was singing this song (laughs) it had no bearing at all on anything else that was happening and it was just i I kept waiting for i don't know the the split or for them (laughs) for them to knock heads like the other dancers weren't it was just like no this is just a two-headed muppet singing this song Unrelated. (laughs) I think that was it. I don't know, Emma, I don't know if you've got any more uh, intel on this, but I think it was just like, that's a Muppet that exists and they chose to use them as as the lead singer of this song. Yeah, they literally called it the two-headed Muppet. So they didn't even Mm. give, it wasn't like it was like a special character or, you know, where we've kind of seen the whatnots or like the frackles or the like droop. It was literally just called Two-Headed Muppet. So yeah, it it was definitely Mm. kind of a weird choice. Like, I don't know if, like you said, when we have the whatnots in the background dancing and then they sort of knock into each other. I didn't know if that was going to lead to a gag. Like you said, Lou, they were going to split apart and then knock into each other, but it didn't happen. So it was quite strange. (laughs) As I say, I am all here for diversity, but it's more just odd for the Muppets to have a unique Muppet and for that Muppet's uniqueness to then not to feature directly in the sketch or Mm. song in which it is featuring. I know what you mean. I wonder if maybe they thought they were playing with the fact that everyone else was in pairs. So... It was still like a pair that were singing, but they weren't doing the knocking and the the jumping and the shouting in the way that the the whatnots were. Um, just to do the full the full name of the song there. Um, uh, I yeah, I don't. I I was a little bit surprised when the two headed muppet mm. appeared, but I I was having too much fun with the song to be to be put off by to be put off by it i guess you were swept up in the nostalgia yeah, <laughs> yeah i was i was i was fully i was like oh here we go we're gonna do the, where's uh... connie stevens yes <laughs> in her poodle skirt yeah. i tell you who was also having a great time was uh ben vereen up on that platform just <laughs> <laughs> all in the legs just like just no upper body movement whatsoever just entirely just like <laughs> jiggling around it was pretty crazy also the fact that he appeared sort of halfway through the song and then did his bit and then we cut back to have all of them on screen together um 
But I do, I actually think one of the things I did quite enjoy about this episode was that sense of movement, not only from him, but I felt like the the camera work was a lot more fluid than we've maybe seen in other episodes. Mm. But also that sense of staging and the different levels. Like, I mean, this, and maybe you could say this was quite sort of basic staging compared to like what we did see in Mr. Cellophane. But, you know, it's still quite a lot, actually, if you think about it, that he's up on that platform, you've got Rolf at the piano, and then you've got all of the dancing Muppets and singing Muppets down the front. Like, there's a lot going on there to get in in one shot. There is. I felt like there was too much going on. Mm. There was too many elements, like, kind of going on for me to, like, connect with it. It wasn't that there was, like, too much filler in this episode. I enjoyed a lot of the sketches and the songs. It was just a lot of the choices they made in them that I found quite bizarre. And we'll get into some of the odder ones later. But um, what did you two think of the uh, the runner this week? I thought it was quite good, actually. It was quite sweet. I like the ongoing gag with um, Fozzie being in the magic <laughs> trick cupboard left by uh, Marvel. Or was yeah. it Marvo the Magician? <laughs> and um, yeah, and I just thought it was really funny because I think it showed like a really good development in like mm. Kermit and Fozzie's relationship. And I just thought it was like, really funny because he's kind of like don't go in there fozzy and then he goes in and you see his little face through like the little peephole and i thought it was a good runner i thought it was like it wasn't just like reliant on gags there was like the visual as well um and i thought it was probably like out of the ones we've seen recently like definitely a stronger one than things we've had in previous episodes. I agree. I I thought it was a lot of fun. I thought Fuzzy was so cute. He was. He was really cute. So adorable. How would the two of you cope being trapped in a box? Uh, I have previously been trapped in a lift. Ooh. Um, (gasps) So, yeah, and it was... How long? uh, It wasn't too long. So it was a, like a, um, what's the word? Like a trade lift. So it was like a, yeah. a huge lift. But it, the reason I got stuck was because it was completely packed full of tote boxes. And actually what happened was some of the tote boxes is moved and I couldn't get the... I could shut one door of the lift and I couldn't shut the other one. And I was literally stuck in a space that was like about the size of my body. <sighs> I struggled to even take my cardigan off. Um, so yeah, I was in there probably... I don't think it was as long as an hour. It was probably like 30, 40 minutes. Oh my goodness. Um, It wasn't great. It wasn't great. But I I just sort of was like, I can't do anything. I couldn't contact anyone. Luckily, the people I was working with at the time eventually realised what happened and like went to get someone to get me out. But yeah, I I remember just getting very, I like got hot. But I think that was as much as anything because I like couldn't move Mm. and I was stuck in there. Yeah, I remember sort of desperately trying to take my cardigan off, which was really difficult because I didn't have room to like move my arms. Um, So yeah, I probably, I probably would have been all right. I probably would have just been like, that's fine. Send Gonzo on. He hasn't had an act in weeks (laughs) and uh, pass me a book and I'll just sit in here and read something and I'll be fine. (laughs) Emma, how would you cope in the box? Uh, I don't know because I don't like the feeling of being like trapped. So (laughs) I don't think it would go well for me. You might have to like sedate me through the little peephole with like a little stun. Sedate you. <laughs> Just shoot a little dart you, in you your need neck. To dart me. <laughs> She's down. She's down. <laughs> Just every like six hours we hear you start to like move around in a box and shoot another yeah, one in. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> She's waking up. <laughs> 
What about you, Lewis? Uh, uh, would you like to be trapped in Fozzie's box? Filth. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, depends on the context. Yeah, like... <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, like a lift, no. Like buried underground, no. Uh, <laughs> but uh, there is some context I can think where being trapped in a box would be fine. <laughs> Let's move on. Um, <laughs> Mr. Cellophane. If someone stood up in a crowd and raised his voice way out loud, Wave his arms and shook You'd notice him. If someone in a movie show yelled, Fire! In the second row, this whole place is, is a powder keg. You'd notice him. A human being is made of more than air. With all that bulk, you're bound to see him there. Unless that personage should be invisible. Inconsequential me. Cellophane. Mr. Cellophane should have been my name. Mr. Cellophane, you can look right through me, walk right by me, and never know I'm there. We've had another Chicago number on the first season of uh, The Muppet Show. They were loving Chicago. They were absolutely. Gwen Verdon was kicking up a storm on Broadway at this point. (laughs) Well, it makes sense, doesn't it, in a lot of ways. Like, I, it was absolutely the... The hot ticket in town. Yeah, there are lots of hit musicals from the 70s, but Chicago is certainly... It has to be yeah. up there, doesn't it? So, yeah, it makes sense that there was a lot of Chicago numbers. As I started to sort of talk about with the last one, I really loved the staging of this. I thought when they showed the set to start with, I mean, I know the tops of the buildings were obviously mm. just images. They hadn't built all of that. But it was on a, such a vast scale compared to what we've compared to what we've normally seen. I think again we had a bit of a hint of this in the last episode with the Sir Avery of Macho sketch. But actually, this felt so much more kind of expansive. I think primarily because you had Muppets all over the place. Like it almost felt a little bit more like Sesame Street. It felt very and just, Sesame Streety. Yeah, yeah, and like world building though, rather than it just being. I mean, I know it was just one song, but you kind of got that sense of like all of these little whatnots living in this street together. I just really enjoyed watching a fantastic performer do his performance of Mr. Cellophane. And I thought, although there wasn't obviously that interaction with the Muppets Mm. that we quite often ask for, I quite enjoyed how you had him sort of tap dancing or going a little bit crazy or whatever and them ignoring him. (laughs) Um, Like it was, it was like, yeah, it was just a sort of fun take on it and it worked for me. Emma, how about you? Yeah, no, I agree, Jade. I thought it was really good. And actually, the way you said about the staging, it kind of reminded me of like an old-fashioned musical film. You know, when they kind mm. of like have the sets and 
a bit like an Easter parade where you can see they built like halfway and then they do that that trick of like using the paint to superimpose on top of it to create the height of the building. And um, Mm. yeah, I thought it was like a classic song. Well, obviously classic to us, but obviously at the time it (laughs) it was a new song. Um, Yeah. But yeah, and I just thought, like you say, Ben's performance, his dancing was kind of expressing how he felt. And it reminded me of Lou, you know, in Funny Face when Audrey Hepburn does her bit where she's like, I feel like dancing. And she is in her like classy outfit and her like little jazz. I'm rather in the mood for expressing myself now. Yes. And I could certainly use the relief. (laughs) Yes. It just reminded me of that. (laughs) Yeah, it, it definitely had old musical energy. I think my problem with it was, is kind of the same problem we had with some of the Joel Grey performances, in that I did like the staging. And you're right, Jade, the world building and the sort of vibe of it was really nice. But I was also like, but it's the Muppet Show. Like, I want, I, I don't know, I want a bit more of a twist or something like the Muppets on the street do more in not acknowledging him. Maybe he does something to them or they're washing and they're, you know, their washing line moves or in some way and they're like, huh, what? What happened? Just something because they, you know, they decided to take it in. Uh, they played it serious, basically, mm, which is yeah. great. And watching him perform it was very good. Did write down in uh, capital letters, camp. <laughs> it was. Yeah, it's really camp. It was really camp, camp as tits. It was like so camp. And that's fine, and but it was also, you know, really engaging, and he's a great performer. But I could see that anywhere. I, any variety show, if I wanted to, I it, it's my same argument that I've, I've made a few times before. It's basically, if you're on The Muppet Show, use The Muppets. Otherwise, what's the point? I think one of the reasons that I found it quite charming was that actually it felt like they had thought about the staging and everything a lot more than they had with the Joel Grey episode. And... I was actually really impressed with the camera work on it, that it was actually Mm. tracking and panning with him and it was cutting between the different levels. And although it was taken seriously and it was a serious performance of Mr. Cellophane, there there was a craft to it that I feel was completely lacking in the Joel Grey episode. Are you saying you didn't want the Star Wipes to come back? No Star Wipes, thanks. No Star Wipes. <laughs> no, no, no Ben Vereen in four quadrants on my screen. Um, <laughs> like, to me, I was, I was charmed by what he was doing. And I was really pleased to see that the mm. show is developing its technical skills and its technical language. And that was sort of enough. Like, I, I totally understand what you're saying about, you know, there was a lack of interaction with the Muppets and they could have looked at doing something a bit different. But actually, like, there was enough there for me to enjoy that I wasn't sort of going, oh, I wanted more from that. It did it and it did it well. Yes, it did it very well. And I I think maybe my comparison to... Can't talk. And I think maybe my... I can't talk! I can't do it! I'm slowly shutting down on the inside. (laughs) Keep this in. (laughs) I can't even remember what I was going to say. I think you were going to talk about your comparison to Joe Harrison. (laughs) Oh, great. Oh, God. I start a new job tomorrow. What am I going to be bringing to that? Lucky them. (laughs) You'll be on a team's meeting tomorrow and you'll be like, oh. 
<laughs> I was even wondering this morning it's, it's, um, it's a job working from home I was like do I have to get out of bed and I was like yes let's get the hell out of bed for like, God's sake not on the first day have them suddenly call a meeting and I'm like in my pants just exactly. like ah! <laughs> oh what are you doing there <laughs> good morning <laughs> oh lord right it is unfair of me to compare it to the Joel Grey episode because you're right, Jade. It is a lot more thought through and I was engaged by it. It's just a personal preference of, I like... I yeah, like You want it to be more Muppety. I like the twist that yeah. the Muppets bring. Yeah. And it's, yeah, so sue me. I'm doing a Muppets podcast and I want more Muppets. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm not doing the Ben Vereen <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> I totally get that. Um, and I do think actually there's something in both of his numbers there's actually a bit of a lack of interaction with Muppets compared to what we've seen with some other performers. Mm. So it is interesting. Like, why why did they choose to do that when with others we've we've had a lot more kind of interplay between the performer and the Muppets during songs? Yeah. I was very happy to see Muppet Newsreader, particularly in my current fragile state. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's my big nose guy. I thought it was really interesting that when they... Um, when he did his voiceover at the start, he called it a Muppet News Bulletin, whereas normally it's a Muppet News Flash. And I was I, like, I mean, just a tiny little point, but I was like, I was like, oh, okay, we've changed the name of it. Fine. Yeah. <laughs> they it'd been a few weeks since they'd done one, so they'd probably forgotten what they called it. <laughs> It's like a, whenever we introduce a new segment and then we're like, what is it? What, what did we call it? <laughs> I, thought it I thought in comparison to what we've seen previously, because obviously we swung between accent showcase and like utter nonsense. Yes. I thought it was quite a funny gag, especially at the end where the newsman said and he, she decided to fly him a half mast in respect. Yeah. <laughs> Which I thought, quite Yeah, funny. I enjoyed it. It was it was a good And his reaction to the news as well, the sort of slow looking at the paper and the Muppety shuffle off, which <laughs> you're quite right, Emma. It was uh better than some of the last uh, few bulletins, flashes, <laughs> whatever we've had previously. <laughs> it was it, it was a good joke and I think it was sort of the perfect length as well. You know, you had enough of the sort of preamble, but then it it was worth it for the payoff of the punchline. So yay, he's back. Hopefully he's gonna be around a bit yeah. more. And and it's not just going to be accent showcase. <laughs> Meanwhile, in the next sketch, we have Mildred casually admitting to a hit and run. <laughs> yes, I know. I was like, hold on a minute. I need to watch this. I like literally went back and I was like, okay, yeah, no, Mildred is admitting to a hit and run. <laughs> <laughs> I hit a gentleman with my car. Shall we dance? <laughs> to be fair, I don't know if she's saying she ran because she's saying she picked him up. So oh, oh sorry, it was just a it hit. It was just a hit. <laughs> In true Muppet Show style, it was just a hit. <laughs> I would kind of love to see the scene where Mildred just hits somebody with her car. I'd just love to see Mildred and driving. Like, Whoa! Like, goes out with her crazy Julia Child's energy and helps the person up. I didn't enjoy most of the ballroom sketch, as usual, but... I'm going to guess that both of you had the same reaction as me when the final little loud Muppet came on and started bellowing about her TV show announcement job and then going, it's because I'm a woman! Discrimination! <laughs> I was just like, oh my god, this is brilliant. <laughs> I could, yeah, but I couldn't tell whether... I worried if there was like a second level to that joke as well in that this 
loud, bellowing woman was also saying, It's because I'm a woman! Like, it was a bit like... I, I, as it started, I was overjoyed to see her, <laughs> honestly. And then as it kept going, I was like, I hope this isn't also a play on, like, this is what those complaining women livers sound like. I don't think so. I think it was no? just, I think it was okay, just simply a joke about she is incredibly loud and clearly does not have a voice for television. <laughs> and then, but she's gonna, she's gonna pin it on. She's gonna say it's because I'm a woman, because also he asks her at the end what it what's it for, and she replies sermonette, which I'm assuming is some sort of like TV sermon. Uh... So I think it's just meant to be that she's just like not you. You don't want her doing the Eucharist or whatever. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't think there's anything more to it, Lewis. I do, I I feel like okay, good. That's fine. Yeah. I might be, I might be being naive there, but I just thought it was just like, because last time we, I, well, maybe it wasn't the, the last time we saw her, but I remember she had the gag before about working in the library, didn't she? Yeah. So, mm. like, Which was fantastic. I think it's just that about her voice. <laughs> yeah. This felt like a very long ballroom sketch this week. Mm. It was quite long. And actually there were a couple more jokes that I did enjoy. Like I did enjoy the two pigs saying, Oh, my cousin was seen by 30 million people on television yesterday. Oh, is he a rock star? It's like, no, he's a football. I was like, <laughs> good, good joke. Two pigs. Pigskin. Like, love it. And the Rolling Stones, fine. Like, the just... Rolling Stones made me roll my eyes. I just feel like that's such a cliche, but maybe it's, maybe it just feels like such a cliche now because people have been making that joke for 50 years. 50 years. Like, Yeah. <laughs> We're over it. They were only, you know, it's like, oh, it's a Rolling Stone. Oh, what a shock! Fifteen years into their Rolling Stones jokes at this point, so you know, it was only fresh, (laughs) only a little tired. (laughs) As fresh as I am right now. (laughs) Uh, Oh, what a musk! (laughs) I smell like Nando's and regret. So, carrying on with my adoration of the technical (laughs) technical abilities of this episode, I was so happy to see that the UK sport, which was Rolf playing a quite a nice rendition of Fair Elise, although he did keep making the odd bum note. Sorry. Um <laughs> bless his bless his heart. Mm. Um but I was so pleased to see that it wasn't just a static camera setup, that we actually had a tracking camera panning round Rolf playing and we had different shots and different angles and they actually like did something a bit more interesting with it than just a few people or few people a few muppets around the piano with rolf sorry this is how serious we take it Mm. i assume all muppets are (laughs) alive um yeah i thought like again i i liked this like it was just it was perfectly pleasant it wasn't anything too crazy and and i liked how they put it together for the tv show i was trying to enjoy it and all i could do was watch that wobbling candelabra. Yes, it was going so crazy. Oh my goodness, yeah. I was watching that too, because I was at first I was like, is that real? Is that actually a light? Oh, it is actually a light. And it kept like getting closer and closer. I was like, oh, it's going to land on him. It's going it to was- land on him. I found it agonising. I, I genuinely oh. thought like, is it the joke? Like, is it going to wobble, 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 wobble off and then, I don't know, like smash or something? And then I realised, no, it's just wobbling off its own accord. I was like, oh, please don't burn Jim Henson's hands in the side (laughs) roll. So as much as I was trying to enjoy it, all I could 
do was watch that candle up. Like, <laughs> stop, you'll die. <laughs> I did notice, obviously, the wobbly candelabra, and I wrote Ugh. down, real flames, exclamation mark. Because <laughs> I was like, I was worried too. But I I think I was also just sort of like, I was really noticing this week that they did seem to be making a real effort to do some things mm. a bit more interestingly. Especially like, you know, this is the UK sport. Normally this is like, it feels like they've put it together in two seconds and yeah. it's kind of like whichever Muppets are lying around, they just pick them up and get on with it. Like this, despite the wobbly candelabra, which obviously did need slightly more glue on the base. Um, you know, this, <laughs> this felt like they tried and the fact that Rolf was getting it wrong... Mm. It was fun. I agree with you, Jade. I thought it was quite fun. Like I said, I was quite alarmed with the candelabra getting closer and closer to toppling and falling (laughs) onto onto Rolf. But no, I thought it was really sweet. And actually, you know, I did think it was another strong UK spot because they've certainly varied (laughs) over the episodes where ones we've seen where we've been like, thank Mm. God that that was just... I would rather have watched a test screen for two minutes (laughs) than (laughs) this actual sketch. Yeah. And actually, speaking of them doing different things. The chat sketch this week, we had Ben Vereen hanging from the ceiling. Yeah, he was he was up in those rafters, like, clinging on. <laughs> he was. I wonder how long he had to hold on to that before they, like, winched him oh up. Oh my god, I really hope it wasn't too long. <laughs> I mean, he's obviously very strong. He's in shape, as Kermit was he saying. Is. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. I found this talk spot interesting because I felt like you could very clearly see that he was reading his cue cards and there were actually a few times when he looked like he was like hesitating or stuttering a little bit Mm. with his words, which I'm guessing was when he was like struggling to find where he was meant to be in the cue cards or whatever. (laughs) But it was the fact that they'd then kept that in and not taken another take of it. That was the best take they had. (laughs) Maybe that was the best word they had, Jade. (laughs) Well, I mean... He's what a freaking Tony, for God's sake. Like, surely he must have given slightly more than that in the talk spot. Well, look, Broadway (laughs) actors are not necessarily known for the acting part of their... (laughs) 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 Not the uh, dialogue parts, anyway. It's not usually the script of a musical you remember, to be fair. (laughs) I don't know, I just, like... Maybe he wasn't fully comfortable... Talking to a puppet? (laughs) Yeah, or just... Maybe he knew he was going to be hanging from a very shaky rafter in a few well, minutes. So he, was, he was probably a bit preoccupied by that. Maybe he was just retaining all his energy ready for clinging onto that rafter for dear life. He was wondering what his union contract status <laughs> would be if he was in the UK and he's represented in the US. <laughs> like if he had an injury falling from <laughs> the ceiling. How did you two feel about Crazy Harry repeatedly turning up throughout this entire episode? Because I... I think, like, this one, I wasn't too bad. I was a bit like, oh, that's still, like, a fun take on it. We got the cutaway with Hilda and then the one right at the very end. Like, it was a lot of Crazy Harry blowing stuff up. It was a lot. They had that explosive gel ignite. Like, <laughs> they, <laughs> they had to get rid of it. Yeah, they were, like, going to town. I did think, as we're kind of getting to the tail end of the season, whether they just decided they needed to use it up. So they just thought... <laughs> Let's stick like crazy Harry, like in every sketch or song that we can and like blow something up or like have a gag where he can come on and create an explosion. (laughs) It did make me wonder why the Muppets have crazy Harry in their organisation. Why did Kermit actually hire crazy Harry and why do they continue to keep him around? 
in case they needed insurance money. funny can you imagine if there was like a headline in variety that was like the muppet theater caught in insurance scam crazy harry at center the great muppet fraud crazy harry on trial the great muppet fraud (laughs) i felt like of all of his little segments in a way this was the one where i suppose i was sort of hoping for a bit more of ben vereen as ben vereen and because it was all set up around the explosion, we didn't really get that at all. And he did seem, maybe you're right, maybe he was distracted. Yeah. Or maybe he just really doesn't like reading cue cards. <laughs> like, just, it didn't feel like the best showcase mm. for him in this segment. No, you're quite right. And then we are moving into usually Emma's favourite part of the episode. But I don't know, what uh, what did you think of this week's uh veterinarian's hospital emma yeah i i don't know i thought it was a little bit of a weak one this this week uh-huh <laughs> because i know obviously we had george in there and i'm sure he was thrilled because he was keeping his toe in showbiz um <laughs> <laughs> but even like janice was kind of questioning dr bob this week and she was like the only joke is you and and then it got a bit weird and then he did a very 70s thing of like deciding to like play the bongos and it was <laughs> i don't know it just felt a bit dry and not as funny and like even like the thing with miss piggy at the start was a bit weird where she was like howling and she had the weird mm. metal Mask? She was muzzling, like muzzling herself, yeah. wasn't she, with that mask? Which was kind yeah. of strange. And also, I think we went back to Richard Hunt voicing her as well. Well, yeah, because Frank Oz was playing George. Yeah, so I don't know. It just didn't have quite the same vibe for me this week. I know what you mean. It feels like the writers themselves are turning against Veterinarian's Hospital. And they're just like, this is rubbish. <laughs> Which is a shame because we've had some really nice sketches from it. I didn't find this one as disappointing as last week's episode, although maybe mm. that's because of how bad I thought last week's episode was that my expectations had been lowered considerably. But I felt like this one went on for a really long time and they just kept mm. throwing in the puns and the wordplay and and there wasn't obviously any real structure to the sketch at all. It was just a barrage of punning. Mm. And like some of them I didn't even get. Like that joke about Pennsylvania. I don't did either of you understand what the wordplay was there, or was it just meant to be bad? I don't think I'm in the state to be able to uh, <laughs> get even good wordplay, let alone potentially bad wordplay. So a- Emma, did you understand it? <laughs> No, no, I th- I think it was just like bad wordplay, to be honest, a bit like when we've seen it before, when it's like, we've seen it sometimes in the news flash, and then we're like, I don't understand, like, what 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 is happening? Are we meant to laugh? Is it meant to be funny? Or is it just absurd? Mm. Yeah, and then also, I was just so taken out of it by having Richard Hunt play Piggy. I understand that Frank Oz was playing George, but, you know, we've seen in other sketches where Frank Oz has still done the voice of like Fozzie and Piggy in the same sketch. So mm. they had done dubbing before. There's no reason why they couldn't have dubbed again for this this one. And also I just want to bring up because we we had a we had a comment about it with our discussion of Janice previously. Um, we do understand that Janice is being performed by Erin Oscar for this first season and the next season Richard Hunt is gonna take over her and give her her sort of valley girl californian accent and 
sensibility and everything. But yeah, I still, I found this one, this episode, Janice's voice seemed to get even stranger to me. Like it didn't seem like it was... It felt like it had changed again from what we've seen in other yes, episodes. It, did. it was very odd. Yeah. I don't even know what inflection she has anymore. <laughs> I feel like she's just probably whatever Erin Oscar's voice is now. She's just like she's just, yeah, a, just, just just sounds like a British woman. Like yeah. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I just wanted to mention that. Um and I'm very much looking forward to Richard Hunt taking over as Janice in season two. Because we love Janice. And we do. She's, she's definitely not Janice-y enough at the moment. Another uh, group that we hadn't seen in a while, and frankly, I wish we hadn't, was the houses. <laughs> I know. I was like, I was like, why are you back? Of all the little tiny sketches you could have brought back, why have you brought back the houses? And what Ugh. a rubbish joke again. It was terrible. I don't understand. Truly terrible. How, with a concept where the setup is... It's two talking houses that you cannot be coming up with better jokes than this. Surely there is more jokes, wordplay that you could be doing rather than, no, he's a guest house. I, I wanted there to be like a womp womp. <laughs> it deserved it. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, it did or deserve it. Or <laughs> just a stony silence. <laughs> when the two houses would say it and their eyes would turn and it would just be met with silence and we would just pan away. What also could be quite funny is maybe maybe whenever the final house is sketches that we'll actually see this, but like it would be quite funny to see someone from the production walk on and just be like, shut this down, shut this down, <laughs> and like the lights go off, like the lights on the stage go off, and like you see the puppeteers walking away from the houses, and it's just like we're gonna put these into storage. These are done. Match, one match is thrown. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy Harry comes in and just blows it up. <laughs> I want to no. I want it more like in the world. I want some teeny tiny sentient bulldozers to come in and knock the houses down <laughs> really slowly, and then just have a really crappy Flintstone like it's a living kind of like. <laughs> that would be great. And it's what they deserve. I just don't understand why they were back in this episode. I honestly thought we'd seen the last of them already. They haven't been in so many episodes now. Yeah, but. <sighs> oh, Whatever well. poor puppeteer created that built those lovely looking houses to have them deliver such <laughs> crappy dialogue. <laughs> They're probably just sitting there with their head in their hands, like just off stage, being like, my beautiful work. <laughs> They're probably having a cigarette, to be fair. It's the 70s. <laughs> They're standing there disgruntled with a fag and just like, Jesus. <laughs> took me two weeks to build those. Talking of how Muppets look. Did either of you notice that Sam the Eagle's feathers looked very, very strange as he was introducing Wayne and Wanda this week? Yeah. yeah. He was, like, missing feathers. Like, he'd been, like, pecked Plucked. by... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was weird. It's like, the front of his wings, yeah. I thought, were, like, so bizarre. I was like, what's happened to you, Sam? <laughs> it's, like, been in a fight or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was looking a little tired, bless him. I just much like uh, oh god. <laughs> Were you going to say much like me? No, I was going to say much like Wade and Wanda's material. Actually, oh. <laughs> I thought you were going to make another uh, <laughs> hungover joke. Um, <laughs> no, no. I mean, bizarre to see him. He's always such a presentable, upstanding, perfect 
citizen. His plumage is always in, yeah, g- a yeah. good place. And he looked, yeah, raggedy. He looked terrible. I think he'd been going to Fozzie's, uh, Fozzie's barber or whatever it is that Fozzie goes to. Berber. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> Don't know. Just came to mind. Womp, womp. <laughs> it's fine. It was bad. Wanda needs to drop that scrub. <laughs> Well, I think she did in this instance. <laughs> she better. <laughs> he was gone. <laughs> Stupid Wayne. <laughs> I mean, I loved the appearance by the the, uh, the sassy chorus girl, just who just openly walked across the stage during someone's <laughs> performance. Just truly not giving two Fs. Just, <laughs> it's quicker for me to go this way than rather than going backstage. So I'm just going to cross. Cross over you while you're doing a ballad. <laughs> That'd be like me in a show being like, oh, sorry, I'm just going to go across stage because actually my dressing room's on the other stairway and it's quicker for me to do this than going around the corner. Sorry, carry on, mate. But I feel like this leads into what we were saying last week about like the other Muppets are actively sabotaging Wayne and Wanda now. Yeah. They're just like, yep, don't care. Gorgon Heap's going to eat you. Little Chorus Girl's going to walk in front of you while you're singing. Yep, no worries. You're- Their days are numbered. <laughs> Yeah, I was gonna say it's like they know. They're like, I don't care. They're not gonna be here next season. Uh, <laughs> it's like on, it's like on SNL. <laughs> like, they're not coming back. <laughs> yes, but you can say the one good thing for Wayne and Wonder is that they're still in most episodes at the moment. Like when someone's not coming back on SNL, you don't see them for weeks. That's very true. They pop up or they they play a receptionist and they get two lines, being like, "They're ready for you now, so And then <laughs> they're, they're done. Not even a joke. <laughs> Yeah, Wayne and Wonder are still doing better than plenty of SNL players. So. <laughs> I know we've already talked about the uh, the runner and the backstage business. I don't know if it struck either of you as a bit sort of old or out of place where Fozzie made the joke about, it's this without this, it's this without this, it's poker without Hauntus. He's like, what's a poker? And then Piggy and... Was that what that joke was? Because I still didn't actually understand what that well, joke was. it was a polka. Was. So it was, the two of them came on and yeah, danced no, no, a polka. No, 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 no. It wasn't that. It was the polka without Hauntus. I couldn't understand what the second oh, part of it he was saying. Pocahontas, yeah. Pocahontas, right. I get it now. It struck me as kind of strange that we suddenly had a pun and a gag backstage. Like a, a moment of lunacy when actually up to that point it had been a played straight backstage runner. Yeah. It wasn't, you know, a bunch yeah. of the characters coming out with one-liners or little bits. It was the Muppets are dealing with the situation that Fozzie is stuck in this box. And then we suddenly have this random, uh, what's the word? Well, it's like a, a cutaway or an insert almost, isn't it? Yes, a cutaway yeah. gag or a, non- a nonsensical gag. Yeah. Out yeah. of nowhere. And, it, and it, it feels out of place now because we've now gotten used to so many backstage runners that are more... The goings on in the backstage of the theatre and no longer just almost sketches in their own right. Yeah, it did feel strange. Also, it felt strange to me because I still was extremely confused. Because they then were polkering, I thought whatever Fozzie was saying was polka when he was obviously saying poker. So mm. that, yeah, it was really odd <laughs> to see them go by then. I just. What I really liked about this backstage runner, though, like other than that, did sort of take me out of it and I found that really strange, was. Obviously, that relationship between Kermit and Fozzie, which Emma, I think you've already spoken about, but also that we did still get the interplay with the other Muppets 
at the back so you know like when Hilda comes in mm. um you got that sort of like oh it's dying without you and then she's like oh so I lie which feels very Hilda and feels very like she <laughs> she does not care but I also loved like with that like when she was like oh at least this little door's not shut and then she knocked it down and obviously that very typically kind of sitcom but it was it was still funny to see it it did feel a very sitcom-y yeah runner completely this week completely but also like a more late season sitcom <laughs> runner where it's like, one of the characters is trapped in a box. Joey's stuck <laughs> in the, the entertainment unit and the apartment's being <laughs> burgled. Not that that's late season. That's obviously very early. Oh my God, no, <laughs> I was literally just going to say that, Jade. I was like, it's something Joey would do. It's totally Joey. <laughs> And then there's another episode where they put uh, Chandler in a box. When does <laughs> Chandler punishment. go in a box? He goes in the box as punishment for um, hooking up with Joey's girlfriend. It's... Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, so he has to stay in the box. Stay in the box. And his little finger just like comes out every <laughs> so often. Friends loved a good box gag. <laughs> they did. They loved a box. <laughs> Boxes and gay panic. That's what they loved. <laughs> Ah! <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> oh, they're millionaires. <laughs> and then that that led into Fozzie going on stage, but in the box. That was amazing. <laughs> it was really good. I loved his little hat on oh, top of I the box. <laughs> it was so cute. <laughs> and he was so cute and adorable. <laughs> Rich, I watched this for the first time with Rich. And at the end of the set, Richard went, that's his best show so far. <laughs> like, that's, that's, that's the winner. That's the one. Why is it so hilarious to just put hats on, like, uh, things? things. <laughs> <laughs> on, anytime a random uh, inanimate object becomes, uh, what's the word, personified. It's innately yeah. hilarious. Mm. Put a couple of googly eyes on anything, and I'm I'm just like, <laughs> no, you're there. <laughs> Comedy gold. Put a hat on a box. I'm just like, it thinks it's people. <laughs> I think Frank Oz did this so well. Like when Fozzie, like it was playing up all of Fozzie's insecurities around, like when he was like, "Are you laughing?" But then he's mm. still delivering these terrible dad jokes, but with usual Fozzie aplomb. I really love the take a bow at the end. Like, it's just like, you know, that was just a little button on the end of it that they didn't need to do. He could have just been merrily wheeled off. But no, yeah. like, I love that. Now bit. we're going to pretend the box is bowing. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> oh, so good. And then, not, I don't want to, obviously, we can talk about. Ben Vereen's second song, but I liked that with the um with the goodbyes at the end that Fozzie was out, and also it felt like a slight redemption from Crazy Harry that he was the one that got Fozzie out of the box. Yeah, I'm not saying it made up for Crazy Harry throughout the rest of the episode, but like I was like I was like okay, I guess this is why they keep you around. You never know when you're gonna need to blow a bear out of a box. <laughs> Do I need to rephrase that? <laughs> We've all been known to blow a bear in a box every so often. <laughs> oh my god. That is not what I said, Lewis. <laughs> oh, that's it. I'm done. Thanks, everyone. Alright, I'm off. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> Goodbye forever. Oh, Jesus. You never know when you're going to need to blow up a box to get a bear out. Yeah, that works, I guess. <laughs>
Someone's not trying to get a bear off. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm very sorry. <laughs> oh, I'm hysterical. <laughs> I don't. And actually, speaking of hysteria, this fucking crazy pure imagination, <laughs> Emma, t- talk to me about this. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we kind of open with the, like, rooftop vibe and uh, you've got poor little Droop who's like, oh, it, my life is so dull. And then in comes Ben and uh, starts singing Pure Imagination, which was really good. You know, it's a fun song. Come with me and you'll be in a world of pure imagination. Take a look and see into your imagination. We'll begin with a spin, traveling in a world of my creation. What we'll see will defy explanation. If you want to view paradise, simply look around, view it, anything you want, do it. You want to change the world? There's nothing to it. There is no life I know to compare to pure imagination. Living there, you'll be free if you truly wish to be. I knew immediately that it was going to be pure imagination, and I do not know how. <laughs> the music hadn't even started. I was like, it's going to be Maybe pure you've seen it before or something. <laughs> but I haven't. I don't know what it was. I don't know if it's, uh, you know, just. Are you secretly a big Ben Vereen fan, Lewis? Ben Vereen, it's long. <laughs> I can't do anything with it. It's like Tommy Tune. <laughs> if you have never seen the SNL sketch, Liza Minnelli tries to turn off a lamp. Uh, I'm <laughs> referencing there. <laughs> Please go and watch it. it is... and, and I'd just like to mention to all listeners that every time we've brought up Ben Vereen <laughs> between recordings recently, Lewis has done that bit. Ben Vereen, so... it's long. I can't do anything with it. It's like Tommy Tune. Hey, remember this? <laughs> You should tell that to Debbie Reynolds. <laughs> Atlantic City. A joke on shrimp. <laughs> change, ball, kick, change. Remember that? I feel like we've gone wildly off topic now. <laughs> we need to pull it back. <laughs> we should not have let you get that water, Lewis. <laughs> uh, it's not water. <laughs> it's just straight vodka. Oh, God. I was gonna say it's just vodka. I know, I knew it. We're on the one-way train back to Crazy Town. We're, on, we're, we're going back to Mayor of East Town. That's where we're going. Ooh, ooh, drinking my water. Right, let's get back to droop and pure imagination. I looked down for one second to write a note, and when I looked up, Ben Vereen was looking at the sky, and there was a crazy muppet. And I was like, "What is happening?" I looked down for one second. I really liked that they'd obviously thought about the fact that they were singing pure imagination and that they wanted to try to do more of the like CG effects that they've done before. Mm. I was slightly confused to start with when it so that 
the Muppet with the big long legs, that's known as a small bossman. He's one of the small bossmen. Okay. And I was a bit confused to start with because I was like, they easily could have just panned up to the sky and then had that Muppet just dancing on a stage that had been made up to look like the sky, just done a bit of in-camera trickery rather than CG. But then when we got the Muppaphone heads around him, I was like, oh, okay, now I understand why you've done CG rather than just actually shot it. But yes, the effect wasn't amazing. Like there was sort of pixelation on the edge of the Muppet and stuff. But it was, again, like I appreciated that they'd actually thought about the fact that it was a song about imagination. So they wanted to do something that wasn't there and that they didn't just want to do what what it kind of ended up being at the end when he was surrounded by all the different little creatures and everything yeah there were some real weirdos in that lineup at the end (laughs) some of them look great but there was a few i got a bit of a yo gabba gabba vibe from a couple of them (laughs) it was a it was a strange mix of muppets at the end there, and the mix of the song as well went from sincere ballad yes to then elevator music version of pure imagination (laughs) where it was a little bossa novary it's like yeah and then it went into a full like 1970s car chase pure imagination (laughs) (laughs) or starsky and hutch uh pure imagination it was very odd it was a bit strange but i like i bought it and it did feel kind of in keeping with what they were trying to do with him cheering droop Mm. up and getting him to use his imagination um i will say like at the start of the piece when you saw that initial rooftop set I was like, I was like, oh, they're singing Pure Imagination and it's probably like the most boring set you could possibly imagine. Like there was nothing interesting going on at all. But I suppose the fact that they then played on that juxtaposition was quite interesting. I would have preferred for Ben Vereen to be more active and not just standing there with mm. Droop. Like that felt like a missed opportunity to me. Particularly when we know he's such a good mover. Yeah. Exactly. It's also odd as well. I hadn't thought about this. In both of Ben Vereen's songs, apart from where he just pops up in the very first number, they're both in urban environments. Mm. Like, they're on a city street and then a city rooftop. I don't know. It feels kind of interesting that they... I don't know. There's just something... It's interesting that for both of those, they put this African-American man in these urban environments because so often we've had... The countryside or... Yeah, or like you know, fairy tale settings or... Or the Old yeah, West. And then yeah. both sketches had an urban... I don't know what point I'm making. And I don't know, you know, if it's even worth pointing out. It, But it it did sort of... It, it, it just struck me in the watching of like, huh, okay, all right. But it could as much be just his association with maybe being uh, based in New York because of uh, Broadway, maybe. I, you know, it could be a lot of things. But it was, it just, it struck me as something to note that I, uh, that I thought was worth mentioning. I think it is worth mentioning because I think that, like, exactly, like a lot of the others have had more fantastical settings to play in. He sings a song which is literally called Pure Imagination. And, okay, fine, they're not going to recreate Willy Wonka's chocolate room or whatever no problem Mm. there but they could have literally set it anywhere and they still set it on the top of a building in Mm. what looks to be New York and obviously his other uh, Mr. Cellophane is clearly meant to be you know New York brownstones like a New York street so yeah I think it is I suppose what it does is it it kind of lends itself to this sense of like oh he's in an urban environment they're not actively moving against that they seem to be leaning Mm. into it 
even if it's not yeah. a particularly conscious decision mm. they're certainly not trying to break away from that and put him in yeah like a medieval castle a la ruth buzzy or a beautiful meadow a la sandy duncan or whatever like yeah, yeah. even avery schreiber got to I don't even know where the monster of the moors was meant to live, but that was <laughs> wasn't New York. Is that not what the North looks like? <laughs> <laughs> ah, I kid. I went to university in York. I love the North, <laughs> the most southern northern place you can go. York, <laughs> not an accent to be found. <laughs> well, if there is no other business, I will move to the ratings and MVMP section of our podcast. Jade, who was your most valued Muppet performer this week? So I wasn't sure who to go for for my most valued Muppet performer this week. But actually, I really liked seeing Droop in Pure Imagination. And what I particularly enjoyed about Droop was when Droop and Benverreen nuzzled their little noses together. I thought that was adorably cute. And also, like, Droop's reactions while Benverine was singing were amazing. Like... He was really listening along to what Benverine mm. was singing and really reacting to each line of the song, which I don't know if we, we often get that kind of, or so far anyway, I don't know if we kind of get that level of interaction between the the guest host and the, um, and the Muppet who's involved in the song with them. And I do feel like there was a lack mm. of interaction between Benverine and the Muppets in some of the other songs. So it was really nice that we did get that, even if it wasn't maybe in the most traditional way in pure imagination like there there was still a little bit of kind of character building and world building and that sense of like oh he's trying to cheer him up and although it would have been nice to see gonzo in the episode i suppose actually in a way it was quite nice that it wasn't just gonzo that he was doing it to again because we've already had that several times so yeah it was nice to see droop i think he's a really cute looking muppet and a really fun mm bright green long fuzzy nose that you do just kind of want to touch um and yeah and like the noses bit made me go oh so yes i'm giving it to droop this week emma how about you who is your most valued muppet performer this week well again a bit like you jade i kind of couldn't quite decide who to give it to and then I decided that I was going to give it to, and I know it's not necessarily a Muppet, but to the magic trick cupboard. Oh my God, Emma, we've done <laughs> yes. the same thing. <laughs> oh no. Oh. Carry on. <laughs> Just because I thought it created a really nice runner for this episode and it created some really funny bits and it created a really nice back and forth between Kermit and Fozzie. And then, you know, when it came to Fozzie's comedy act with the magic trick cupboard sat there with Fozzie's little hat on his head. And when he got brought back out again to do the bow with the two <laughs> stage hands, I just thought it was really funny. And I just thought, you know what, I'm going to give it to the magic trick cupboard this week. <laughs> I mean, how about you, Lou? I'm sure you're going to say the same, but... It was exactly the same. I was going to say specifically only when the box goes on stage with slash as Fozzy with the hat on. <laughs> oh, it just, oh. It, there's nothing funnier. There's nothing funnier than just putting a hat on something and saying it's a person. <laughs> I suppose you can have it because the box did go on stage. Yeah. So you could, you know, 
the box is a Muppet. That's fine. You can have it. <laughs> <laughs> it was like when we were. I went to the Edinburgh Fringe one year with an improv troupe, and uh, shout out to the Shambles. And uh, one of the other members put a top hat and these two big eyes on this enormous fridge we had in our uh, digs. But then also like a little teeny tiny moustache and he just looked like a very sophisticated fridge. (laughs) And it made me laugh every morning. Lewis is having a breakdown. It never got old to me and I still look at a picture of it sometimes. (laughs) And just laugh to myself. It's so funny. I'll send you the picture of Posh Fridge Man. It's great. We can share it with our listeners as well. I'll have to get permission from, from the creators of Posh Fridge. Check that I've allowed. Oh, copyright reserved. Uh, they, they might be in a development deal with Posh Fridge right now. Exclusivity contract. He's actually a new SNL cast member. He's only played a receptionist a couple of times, but he's brought a certain gravitas to it. He's been on the writing staff for three years, though. <laughs> he's, he's transitioned, yeah. Okay, let's do our ratings before Lewis fully breaks down. Uh, Emma, what rate the. You know what this bit is, just do it. Thanks. Uh, do you want me to lead into that? No, that's fine. We're letting them peek behind the curtain. God. It's not all glamour and podcasting, you know. Well, well, no. If Jane wants to do it again, let her do it again. I'm not making this. I'm not bulldozing Jane. I'm just, do what you want, Jane. I think you're editing it. You can put in anything you want here. Look, here's me giving a 15 second space to let Jane say whatever she wants that she can record her her own convenience. And at the end of it, I would say, yes, Jade, I agree. Okay, so here is Jade saying something from the future. Lewis, you're being far too harsh on Scooter at the moment. He really is one of the best Muppets. Yes, Jade, I agree. <laughs> there, yeah, there you go, <laughs> whatever you've said. Emma, how'd you rate the episode? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I really have just broken out. Like, just... <laughs> I'm fine. Carry on. Just cut this out. <laughs> Emma, I'm curious. What's your rating for this week's episode? Well, for this week's episode, Jade, I've decided to give it eight crazy Harrys out of ten. I think structurally it's a good episode. We've got a nice variety of songs and sketches. And, you know, we have got some really strong bits in there. And we've got some really good moments with Ben um, in his performances but there are some weak spots so sort of like the talking houses and as we discussed earlier um, veterinarians hospital wasn't great but I thought it was quite nice to see like the Muppets news flash and the fact that it was just like one gag and also we've got the whole kind of fuzzy runner throughout the show which I just thought was really good and you know just having like Mr Cellophane and pure imagination of the sort of main songs of this particular episode I just thought like you said when we watched it I felt it went really quickly Mm. and sometimes we can watch it and it just seems to drag and I just thought that the like general tone and feel of this episode 
was good. So yeah, I'm going to give it eight Crazy Harrys out of ten. How about you, Jade? So I really enjoyed this episode, but I do feel like it let me down in a couple of ways. So Mm. I'm going to go sort of, I guess, middle high for me in terms of my like the ratings I've done before. So I'm going to give it six and a half discriminations (laughs) out of ten. And I mean, I think you've you've touched on like the bits that were that were strong. I did feel like it had a good structure and I do feel like Ben was a really great performer throughout but I do feel like there could have been a bit more interaction between him and the Muppets that wasn't like completely just around Crazy Harry basically and also like yeah Veterinarian's Hospital wasn't great the houses weren't great I don't know what's going on with Sam the Eagle's feathers but they need to fix that because that was just distressing I feel like there's a backstory there which I need to know (laughs) um and yeah I just like I did I did really enjoy this one but I think like as an entire episode I've definitely enjoyed other episodes more than this mm. and I feel like with maybe some slight tweaks it could have reached those heights it had the potential to be there like whereas there's definitely been other hosts where we've just been like no they're not a great host for the Muppet show or like the show just hasn't used them very well I felt like this did use Ben Vereen well but actually it could have just pushed it that little bit further. So yeah, six and a half for me. And Lewis, this is the last push. You can do it. (laughs) What are you rating the episode? I'm airing more on your side, Jade, than uh, yours, Emma. I'm giving it six Mildred hit and runs out of ten. (laughs) I... There was, while there was like nothing technically wrong with the episode or really any of the sketches any more so than the ones that we already know don't work, just continue to not work. It was more just some of the choices within them that I found hindered my enjoyment slightly. So, you know, the first number, bit too much going on. Mr. Cellophane, I wanted interaction. Pure imagination, weird. I just, and the chat sketched, I didn't really get to know Ben that well during it. So, Mm, yeah. While he's a fantastic performer, and while I don't think it is by any means a bad episode of television, I just don't think it's a particularly great episode of The Muppet Show. So I think, yeah, six Mildred hit and runs out of ten. <laughs> but we will come back and help all of the six people that she uh, that she knocks down. <laughs> Those six hitchhikers can rest easy. <laughs> <laughs> and Jade, why don't you hit us with a little... <laughs> Muppet philosophy before I run to bed. (laughs) So you'll be pleased to hear that my Muppet philosophy this week is extremely short and sweet. So Marvellous. You'll be in bed before you know it, Lewis. Thank God. It's (laughs) 5.30. Get me to sleep. (laughs) This is taken from Jim Henson, the biography by Brian J. Jones. And speaking about what exactly it is that Henson tries to do with his work in television, Jim Henson said, In broad strokes, the message I try to bring across is the positives of life and a positive attitude toward the goodness of mankind. Aww. Aww. That was short. (laughs) Yeah, I thought you'd appreciate it. (laughs) 
I did. Thank you so much for listening to Muppet Stational. If you've enjoyed the episode, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review, as it really helps spread the word about Lewis's drinking problem. You can follow us on social media. We are at Muppet Stational on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You can contact us at hiho at muppetspodcast.com, and you can find out more about our leather podcast at muppetspodcast.com. Come, we did it! Yay! <laughs> Yay! I promise for the next episode, I will not be in. I will not be in the state. <laughs> We're gonna hold him to that. <laughs> Lock me in the bear box for a week. <laughs> don't hand me any booze. <laughs> and don't let Crazy Harry bust you out. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening this week. I am the corpse that was Lewis Chandler. I am Jade Turner. And I'm Emma Chandler. (laughs) Emma sounds so disappointed. (laughs) (laughs) We will see you next week. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Our theme music is Peppy Pepe by Kevin MacLeod. And our artwork is designed by Charlotte Rudge, who you can follow at at charlie underscore r underscore rudge on instagram